All right, if you have a Bible and want to get with me in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, I'm going to read the passage here in just a moment. We're doing a series called The Gospel for Real Life where we're thinking through how the good news of what Christ has done for us affects everything. Now, obviously, we can't tackle everything, but we're trying to pick uh, certain subjects that feel especially relevant, things that we all deal with, things like work and rest, and today we'll talk about communicating and things of, uh, things of that nature in upcoming sermons as well. So the gospel and communication. God cares about how we communicate, and the good news of the gospel ought to show up in the manner in which we communicate with other people. So let's read the text, we'll pray, and then we'll get to work. This is Ephesians 4, starting in verse 29, and we'll, we'll go all the way into chapter 5, uh, we'll go through verse 4. It reads like this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, is dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as we open your word, we're asking that by your spirit, through your word, you would speak, and you would help each and every one of us to think through how we might communicate in a way that displays the beauty and the majesty of the good news of the gospel that we've received. So Lord, have your way with this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we think about gospel communication, we want to ask a few different questions. We want to ask, what is it exactly? And we're going to try to define it along the way. We're going to ask, why does it matter that we would communicate like this? And finally, how do we do it? How do we actually become people who could communicate in light of the gospel? So what is gospel communication? Well, one of the ways that we can answer that question is by looking at what it is not. What it is not. It tells us in verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Do not let things spill out of your mouth that is unwholesome or unhelpful. Do not speak in a way that actually doesn't accomplish what God wants to accomplish with your words. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Unwholesome talk, if you, if you keep going with that same verse, you find out that gospel communication is intended to build up. You're supposed to say things that are building others up, that are helpful to them. So unwholesome talk then would be the kind of talk that is reckless, that does damage, where you speak and it actually hurts other people or dismantles 
other things. We showed up this morning. Uh, Ash is working today. She's a nurse, and she's at the hospital today working and showed up with my kids, and so they get to come here early. Harrison loves the new drum set, so he's, you know, banging on the drums and having a good time, but he's getting all amped up, and so he's like going crazy on the drums, and then he gets off of the drums, and he sits down right here, and he headbutts that TV. And I, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, and I have to remind him, that's reckless. Like, you know, it's just kind of a weird idea that flies through his head, and he's like, hey, this is a good, good thing for me to do, and he headbutts a TV. But I had to remind him that sometimes when you do things, and you, you're not even thinking about it, it can do harm. It can do harm to you, it can do harm to property, and that's one of the things that this is kind of talking about. It's talking about when you use your words, recognize that you shouldn't just go around headbutting stuff with, with your words, that you might not even be thinking about it, but we need to be careful with the way that our communication actually comes across. So whether we're crafting an email or talking to somebody face-to-face or crafting a social media post or even sharing a link and giving our two cents on it, However we communicate with other people, we need to be careful that we're not being reckless and causing harm. When we built this building, we did all kinds of work. We did a little bit of demolition work, but there was a plan that was tied to it. If we were going to take down the windows, for instance, we were going to build a full wall, or we were going to open up some stuff in the middle of the building so we had a clear runway to get to the bathrooms, where you didn't have to go through a maze to try to find them. And we did a little bit of demolition work, but we did it very strategically, and then we rebuilt it. And this is saying that with your words, it can be like somebody coming in here and just punching holes in walls. It can be like somebody coming in here and just destroying the property. There's no, there's no end game there other than damaging the property. And so this is reminding us when you communicate, be careful because your words can have that sort of effect. Don't let things spill out of your mouth that are unwholesome in that regard. Unwholesome talk is dismantling talk. It's also disgruntled. It comes from our hearts. The reason why we communicate in this way is because on the inside, there's something that's in turmoil. If you look at verse 31, it reads like this. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. The reason why we communicate in a way that doesn't align with the gospel is often because our hearts aren't aligned with the gospel. They're full of resentment. Things that are happening in the world and happening with specific individuals that we know of, and we become embittered. And we begin to speak in a way that reflects rage and anger. We become frustrated, and so we allow that frustration to spill out in the way that we communicate with other people. We engage in verbal brawling and even slander. We begin to speak of other people in a way that tars their reputation. We, we talk about somebody else and we cast them in a negative light, and it's telling us that we need to get rid of all of that because as Christians, we're called to speak in an appropriate way, in a beautiful way, in a way that aligns with the good news of the gospel itself, but not in inappropriate talk. Look at verses 3 and 4 of chapter 5. It says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. He's giving us all these different ideas that are 
inappropriate for believers. My kids are nine and seven, and they think that potty talk is hilarious. And so they'll be saying things, and, and Ash and I have to get on their cases and say, guys, that is inappropriate. Some of those things that you're saying, you might think are so silly and funny, but they are inappropriate. It's, it, that's the kind of thing that Paul is saying here. There is, there is a whole batch of communication that is inappropriate for followers of God. That there's a whole category of communication that, that is improper for God's holy people. In verse 3, where it lists off sexual immorality and impurity and greed, it, it actually, in the more literal versions, it says that these things ought not even be named. So it's not just that we're avoiding them. It's not just that we're trying to stay away from them or stay away from contamination with those concepts and ideas. It's saying that within the community of faith, these things shouldn't even be named. They shouldn't be mentioned in a way that just is flippant or casual or okay. And certainly in verse 4, it talks about obscenity and foolish talk and coarse joking, all being out of place. As Christians, when we're in conversations, we, we should be mindful of, is what I'm doing here in this communication, is it honoring to God? Because some of the things that happen, as a believer, I need to be able to say, that's improper for God's holy people. And I'm going to stay away from that. I'm not going to embarrass anybody else who's doing that. But I have an obligation to reflect God. And I want, I want my speech and my communication to accomplish that. So what is gospel communication? Well, it's not any of those things we've just described. Unwholesome talk, motivated by a sinful heart, full of all kinds of improper things for God's holy people. What is it then? Well, in verse 29, it's very plainly laid out for us. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We have a goal then. When we communicate, what should our aim be? What should we be trying to accomplish? Well, we should be seeking to help other people, to build them up, to use our words in a way that is constructive and helpful and fitting to use our words in a way that look at other people, whoever they might be, sitting across from us or on the other end of, a, of an email, and we should be thinking through, how can I do this in such a way that when they receive this from me, they feel helped along? They feel that they're being built up in the most holy faith. How can I speak in that sort of way? In the ESV, one of the more literal translations, it says that we should do these things in a way that fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear we should be speaking in a way that's fitting. So we're looking at other people and we're going, what do they most need right now? And how can I communicate it in a tone and with the appropriate words that are, that are actually going to feel to them like what I'm doing is I'm loving them and I'm helping them. So it's not enough just to rattle off certain truths or platitudes. We actually need to be thinking through is the way that I'm communicating and the tone that I have and the vibe that I'm giving off, is all of that going to be well-received? We have this category come up earlier in chapter 4 where Paul says in verse 15, he just lays it out as a paradigm, and this is a really important thing for us to consider as we want to communicate in a way that's helpful and that's fitting. He puts it like this. He says, speak truth in love. 
So he puts these two things together that we like to divorce. And depending on our temperament, we probably appreciate one more than the other. So for me, I do not like conflict. I avoid conflict. So temperamentally, I gravitate to the idea of love. I don't want to offend. I don't want people to be hurt by my words. I want to be very careful. And so I I gravitate on that side to the side of love. Others gravitate, however, in the other direction to that of speaking truth. And either way, if you don't bring these things together, you're not doing it right. So for me, it can be, and for some of us, I'm sure, it can, it can look like this. Instead of actually saying what would be helpful, we avoid it, and it's cowardly. Instead of saying what needs to be said, instead of sharing the truth, and also with this loving aspect, this loving dimension, but instead of doing that, if we just want to love people and we never want to offend them, we might not be doing them any service. We might not be helping them. On the other end, however, on the side of truth, some people, many Christians actually, feel that they need to, they'll say things like this, I don't want to mince my words, I'll just be blunt, I'll just say it how it is. The Bible gives convictions that we need to be able to hold dearly to, that we need to hold, and then we need to say them. And so on the truth side, if there's no love, it's just brutal. You might say truth, but you don't think, how would that be received? You just kind of blast it out there and bulldoze people with truth, and it it doesn't accomplish what needs to be accomplished. See, in this moment, what we need is we need people who can speak truth and love. These are complex times, and they're very controversial subjects right now, but we need to be thinking through, how can we communicate in light of the gospel? Not just to, to say what we think, not just to share our opinions, but to communicate in a way that's helpful that builds people up, that's fitting for the moment. So speaking truth in love, bringing those together and saying there are, there are convictions that we have because we believe in truth, but we want to express those convictions in love. So I'm looking at people going, how, how would they receive it? We found this in the, in the story of Esther in our last series where she had opportunities to communicate. And what did she do? She was very strategic. She wanted to present her request in the way that was most likely to be received. That's gospel communication. That's fitting communication. So speak the truth in love. So what is gospel communication? It's communication that is mindful of God's desire for it. Secondly, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Does this feel like a big deal to you, or is it just kind of some... uh, you know, incidental topic that maybe we don't need to focus on so much. Well, I think it matters because it's a part of the bigger picture of what God is up to. I think that gospel communication matters because God cares about the entirety of our lives. He cares about every detail of our lives, and the way that we communicate is a part of that bigger picture. If you're in the NIV and you just glance up at the title here, it says this is, this is instructions for Christian living. Communicating is part of that bigger topic of, here's how to live as a Christian. Here's what God is up to. He wants you to reflect Christ. And so you are to put off, this is a concept in chapter 4, you're to put off your former way of life, and you're to put on the way of Christ. And that includes all kinds of different things, but it also includes how you communicate. You're to put off this former way of life that is um, revelatory of things that are against God, and now you're to put on the beauty of communicating 
like Christ himself would. Communication is a part of that bigger deal. It's a part of God's agenda for your life. God is working to make you ready to spend all of eternity with him. He's growing you in Christ's likeness. And we as Christians, we need to participate in that work. We need to cooperate with God. We need to put off these former things and put on the things of Christ. And, and that's what God is doing. And we desperately need that. We're growing in Christ-likeness through, through the, throughout our entire lives. But it is a process. Now, God certainly has the ability to transform us in a moment. And the Bible tells us that, that when Christ returns, our glorification will be immediate. It'll, it'll be in the twinkling of an eye, as the Bible says. God can change me from who I am presently to who I will be eternally. He can make me without sin forever, and he can do that in a moment. But the Bible also says that while I'm on earth, while I'm here, while I'm living my life, what he's doing is he's slowly working that reality into me right now. And he's patient. And it doesn't happen with immediacy. It happens with long-suffering, as the Bible would say. It's a long process. Even having been a Christian for a long time, you sometimes look at your life and you go, man, I thought I'd be a lot further along by now. But God is patiently working that into us. And that's what God is doing. He cares about your entire life coming into conformity with the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we desperately need it because we're not ready. In the story of Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, it's a story, it's an allegory, it's a story of a man named Christian who's on, his, he's on a journey to get to the city of God. Um, it's an allegory, so it's describing the Christian uh, faith and what that looks like, and every character and every circumstance has meaning, and, and it's just revealing what is, it, what is it like to be a Christian on a journey to meet God. When Christian and his companion get close to the city, there's a part of the story that has just become more and more dear to me over the years, but it's the part of the story where they get close to the river of death that they have to cross over to get into the city, and as they're nearing that, they get sick. They get sick, and the reason why is because they're not ready yet to be in the presence of God's holiness. They're not fit yet. So it's like, um, I don't know if you've ever climbed a mountain before, but you get altitude sickness. You start climbing the mountain, and the higher up you go in elevation, your body starts to just kind of freak out because it's like, I've never been here before. I don't know what this is about, but I can't handle it. And so you can get very, very ill. But what Bunyan was pointing out is that even as you get closer to glory, there's a reality that there's so much work that's undone that sometimes you just physically react to that that you're not ready to be in the presence of a holy God. God is making us more and more like his son and more and more ready for that moment, and he will transform us. But a part of what we need to be doing in the meantime is cooperating with the grace of God when God says, look, this too matters to me. How you conduct yourselves online, how you communicate matters to me. How you deal with coworkers and clients and bosses all of that matters to me. How you talk to other people with whom you differ in opinion matters. Do that in a way worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This matters to God. It matters so much, in fact, that to do it wrong breaks God's heart. Look at verse 30. Look at verse 30 again. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
There's a way in which you can conduct yourself that, that actually, so to speak, grieves God. That he looks at that and he's, he's broken over it. He, he looks at how we handle ourselves and he, and he looks at, if we're Christians, he looks at us and he goes, you guys could be so much better. And some of us, here, here would be my estimation, some of us don't even give a rip. Right? Like some of us just, we, we want to do it our way and we're not, we're not really willing to let Jesus tamper with everything and, and maybe not even how we would communicate. But this matters so much to God that he says, look, when, when you offend my grace, it grieves me. When you as a Christian communicate in a way that's out of step with the beauty of the gospel, it grieves the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It grieves God. It's that important. Well, finally, how do we become gospel communicators? How do we actually do this? I, I don't think I can just stand up here and say, okay, guys, obviously it's important. We've talked about what it looks like and what it doesn't look like. Now let's go do it. Let's just go be much better at communicating. I don't think it's that simple, right? I don't think our willpower is sufficient to get us where we need to go. Now, there are times where I've done this, and I know other people have as well, where we will spend significant time paying attention to communication. And we say things like this, for the month of November, I'm going to be thankful, and that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to be critical. I'm not going to uh, you know, say anything other than positive things that express my thankfulness. Now, I think that's a good habit. I think that's helpful. But what happens? November ends. And then what happens? So does my thankfulness. See, if I'm just going to try to do it with my own willpower, it's not going to have the staying power that I need. The way that we become gospel communicators is that we need to allow the good news of the gospel to become the dominant force in our lives and in our hearts. We need to recognize the grace of God that we've received, and that needs to be such a prominent idea in our, in our minds and in our hearts that even as we go about communicating with other people, we're doing it with an awareness of God's grace toward us. We need to think through how the good news of the gospel changes us and how God has dealt with us in that gospel, and that should help make us patient with other people and careful with the way that we speak. Let's look at a couple verses here in our, in our section. It says in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. It's calling us to reflect the compassion and kindness and the forgiving ability of God. So you might be offended by somebody in your place of employment, and you might think, they don't deserve my kindness. They've, they, they've, they're just not going to get it from me. But the Bible here says, no, no, no. Be kind and compassionate to them, just like God was to you. Forgive others just like you've been forgiven. What if God dealt with us with the same terms that we deal with other people? What if, what if he said, well, I'll withhold my forgiveness from you. You don't deserve that. No, no, no. We need to be a people who recognize this is all grace. What God has done for me, his, his saving work on my behalf, I was an enemy of his. He, he sought me out when I didn't deserve it. So when I look at somebody else and I want to communicate to them, let that truth overwhelm you. I should be kind and compassionate to them just like God has to me. 
In fact, it tells us in verse 1 of chapter 5, it tells us to reflect God's example. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. You have a new identity. You've been brought close to God. You are in his family. So here's what you need to do. Follow his example. Be like him. The, the one who's able to look at his enemies and those who, who take advantage of his gracefulness and he's able to forgive them to the uttermost. He's able to deal patiently with those who do not deserve it. So when we communicate, we should be thinking through, I'm a forgiven individual. I've gotten way more than I deserve. I need to extend mercy and grace and compassion and forgiveness to others as well. Look at verse 2. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Guys, what this is encouraging us to do is to think about the beauty of the gospel. To, to look on Calvary and see Christ's dying love for us, where he was arms pinned open to us. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. I love them this much. And it's reminding us to look at him and his sacrifice and his fragrant offering, and then to be able to look at other people and say, even when I communicate, even when I deal with other people through an email, I want to send that out in light of Calvary, in light of Christ's dying love for me. I want to walk in his way, the way of love, the way that Christ has loved me. This week, I've just been thinking through the importance of this, the importance of being willing to, to be honest when we miscommunicate because we're not aligned with the gospel. I do it all the time. There have been moments, even in, the, even in preaching, where um, because I deal with people throughout the course of the week and I get up here and I have a platform and a microphone, sometimes I'll, I'll communicate things in a passive-aggressive way. And it's not, building other, it's not building others up. And I've had to multiple times make phone calls after the fact to make sure that I didn't unnecessarily offend somebody. Or I've had to make phone calls where I had to literally apologize to people for misusing the platform of preaching. I need to be willing to be honest about that. And I think all of us do. All of us have to recognize how significant communication is, how important it is to God, and how it can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And we need to be the kind of people who are constantly thinking through, how can we do this different? The world right now is so divided and so fragmented, but what if Christians learned to communicate in a way that reflected the beauty of the gospel? Speaking truth in love, being willing to have firm convictions, but to express those convictions in a spirit of gracefulness, thinking through how we can talk to other people in a way that they're going to be helped by us. If we did this, I'm talking about us, Park City Church, this congregation right here. If we did this, I, I do think there's power in that. And it's the power of the good news of the gospel. Let's be people who communicate in light of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we're asking that you would help us. We, we want every aspect of our lives to come under your lordship. But Lord, today we're thinking through how we might communicate. And there might be some meetings that are coming up this week and some emails that need to go out or there, there might be some, some conversations that need to be had. And Lord, right now, we're giving you permission to set the agenda. 
to tell us what to say and to change the tone with which it's communicated. Lord, we pray that your spirit would inspire us to communicate in a way that is helpful, that builds up, that is fitting. And we need your help, Lord. We can't do this on our own. So we're asking that by the power of the gospel, you would change us so we would more naturally communicate like you. We pray in your name. Amen.